Today, I am so pleased to be launching season three of the Revolver podcast with Wilson Oriyama, writer, activist, curator, and sustainability advocate in every way. I have been watching Wilson's various ways of confronting our environmental problems for a while now, and have just been amazed to see how he has used his creativity and voice for such impactful ventures. In a time where the arts and creative industries are being sidelined in so many ways, I felt really strongly that I wanted my conversation with Wilson to lead us into season three. I want people to feel really inspired that evolution can be a good thing and that we all have a voice that can be heard in our, new, our, our unique way to impact change. So without further ado, here is Wilson. So welcome, Wilson. Um, I'm so excited to get to speak to you today. And, you know, in my introduction, I realized that you have had so many incredible job roles and titles. So I just wanted to kick things off by first asking you, you know, how, how you really see yourself today. Um, you have done so many incredible things, but, but what's the thing that's, that's sort of speaking to you the most at the moment? um thank you for the lovely introduction i would say in of all of the things speaking well they all speak to me it's more so as opposed to the different roles or or things that i spaces that i operate in i move by a unifying theme so my current theme and probably will be for for some time to come is about human consumption and its effects on human behavior and the environment so everything that i do is rooted to this underlying thing whether asking questions about about our consumption or its effects on us or or the surrounding environments and and somehow tying that all together because i feel that it's very like you look at uh, politics for example it's very difficult to to come in and say hey i'm going to make all of like make all of this change in four years or eight years because it's a very specific it's a very short amount of time and, and how much can you really long-term change can you impact over a set amount of time because the way that people react to things is is they need it now as well so in the same way it's it's never about this particular role that i'm or thing that i'm doing at the time it's more so the underlying theme and how it all relates together and builds like an an ongoing conversation so that in time uh the reason why I might have done Wait the Poetry Book makes sense in like 10 years or like in five years when relating it to some of the other stuff that I'm doing because of the ongoing conversations and, and trying to, like if you, if you can imagine like, it's like playing squash essentially in, in a dark room. So I'm, I'm trying to, while trying to convey what, how I see the world, I'm just trying to give people or allow people to hit things into the distance or and get a better sense of what this room or space that I'm creating looks like so that they can get an understanding of the way that I think. Because a lot of times we infer that people think the same way as us or or see the world the same way as us or even, yeah. And, and, and that's not true most of the times. It's why we have so much differing opinions in society or just lack of empathy of understanding. So I'd say that's like the key that's the most interesting thing to me anything any in terms of the roles i can't say there's nothing i'm doing right now that i can say i'm going to be doing in three years however the overarching theme will will still be the same which will tie all of these things together yeah and i love i love that it's something you've picked up already that i want to speak about is this idea of 
of the immediacy of change. And I think it's really difficult because with who we are now, we expect everything. You said it so rightly, like now, 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 you know, it's like you want something delivered, you can get it on Amazon Prime. You want yeah. food, you can get delivery. It'll be there in 10 minutes. It's, um, it, it, we don't have a whole lot of patience. And for the sort of changes that we need to see in the world, unfortunately, that is going to take time. Um, and so I want to speak about that more in a bit, but I wanted to kind of follow up with that really great answer to ask you just sort of a little bit more about the journey that brought you to this place, because obviously you've been doing this for a while. And I think it's really nice to hear about somebody who has not lost their optimism or their excitement, even though they've been working within the sustainability space for a while, because speaking firsthand, I know how challenging it can be when you are constantly trying year over year to change perceptions or meet people on a level that they're, they're not rising to at the same time. So, so, so tell us about your journey and how you've kind of remained upbeat and enthusiastic throughout. Well, I, I think, I, well, growing up as a kid, I was never one of those kids who knew what they wanted to do. It wasn't that, hey, I'm going to be a national or, hey, I'm going to be a doctor or, or any of these varying roles. I was always just kind of floating through space, essentially, like, how, what can I do, or, or just kind of playing things by ear. So there was never anything that stood out to me. So even uh, going, leaving uh, high school or secondary school, I went to college, but I didn't have any determination of what I wanted to do there. Then I left after a year, then I kind of stumbled around a bit and just started trying different things. So running like my own technology news site, doing reviews and stuff like that to working in a bank temporarily to doing B2B marketing, to doing, uh, trying an accounting course to eventually, um, I started working at this apprenticeship agency in 2013. So let's say, yeah, about September 2013. So doing that, I, I just, I was like, oh, it sounds like a good opportunity. You're helping like kids get into, uh, into work and developing the courses. So I did operations and product development for them. So it's just like developing and designing the course materials and, and the course as well and what that looks like for them. So uh, while I was doing that around May 20 or April 2014, I got casted in the street while on a lunch break. And then it was like, um, hey, do you want to come and walk this fashion show in, in Paris next month? And I wasn't sure about it because I'd never, you'd read about it in a magazine, but then I was thinking, is this, is this like trafficking? Is this how people get, get thrown in or disappear? So, yeah. so I, was, I was pretty skeptical up until, up until maybe the day, the day before. Yeah. So it, it was like I went there, they sent some people home the first day and then the second day they were like, oh no, we want you to walk the show. So I was, I was excited about that. So spanning from there, slowly I've started meeting more people in fashion and then doing a bit a bit more modeling while working on the side and, and doing other stuff. And then I, of course, running concurrent my whole life, but there was this underlying narrative or theme where it's like, I still don't know what I want to do or what I really care about. I was always concerned with like my well-being and how I see the world and and trying to leave some type of an impact or 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 adding value. Cause because I realized like like anyone it's like at some point you might try like oh what's the easy 
like how am I going to make money what kind of jobs uh, give the most money and stuff like that but then it, it's more I never last long in those types of spaces like I'm very I'm very finicky when it comes to things that don't have like a deep deeper lying value than than say just the immediate money yeah. like of course there's there's an importance in that oh you need to feed yourself and all of the and maybe support others and all of these other things however it's if it, for me it was trying to find somewhere where that meets in the middle mm-hmm. and trying to add value in different places and, and and various things so um around 2016 i just reached a point i was trying to do some other stuff so i was doing like uh designing websites and seo in, in my spare time i'd left the the previous job and and was just trying a few things but anyway so a uh, a project that i was doing for someone went awry because they never uh paid in the end so so then it was like okay i need to stop solely focusing on what's the quickest way to make a buck so i from there went to so uh of course i knew various people in fashion and a friend of mine so this is september 2016 now uh, said just like post on instagram i think hey they're looking for an archiver or like an assistant so I've texted them and they're like, oh, yeah, if you want a job, it's yours. Uh, over the next few months, I, I helped them out. And during that time, I learned more about their process. So it was just kind of like, at least in my spare time, I'm going to try and do things that are of interest to me. So I started taking photos inspired by them and then just started taking photos more of like it was tra- things that stood out to me. So then afterwards, it was finding a pattern of things that, of all of the things that I'd taken. And I started, I, I was taking a lot of photos around trash and, and just the way people put it out, or if they're decorative or, or nice and stuff, or leave it looking good, essentially. But then I reached a point where I realized that a lot of people just keep throwing stuff out because it gets taken away the next day or even the same day in some cases. So from there, it became a search with regards to, or a focus in how can I convey this relationship between us as the everyday consumer uh, waste disposal teams and where these things go in the end. So I decided to do an exhibition called Wait, which came, which happened in end of May, early June, I think. And that was around, yeah, it was around this conversation of our consumption and its effects on our behavior and the environment, and then kind of spinning off from there. And then from there, you get more into, uh, so from there was also, I was, how can I communicate it to an audience or to, to the people who didn't get to attend because there were varying uh, troubling events which happened that weekend that, that slowed some people. So it ended up me doing a book about, about the show or more so conveying it through poet, poetic form. So that was more, it was, that was also, how can I get people to understand it without directly telling them? Because no one wants to read or no one, most people won't take the time to read like a 400 page book on, on your ideas around consumption and, and where we're at and where we're heading and how these things, because, and then it's like, how do you even condense that in a way? So it's just more, it's how can I say things to you and then you and further meanings and then take that on. Like I was listening to a summary of a book this morning called Language Intelligence or was it Language Intelligence or was it something else? But there was, there was, anyway, but one of them, it was just more about how uh, speakers do better when they don't, when they just more so focus on, on inferring things. So I think there was this example of um, when Brutus, 
Maximus killed Caesar or something. So then it was talking about how the conversation between Brutus to the public and Mark Anthony to the public, Mark Anthony, allegedly, that's what they said. I haven't actually read that whole thing, but Mark Anthony kind of used from this, was inferring or, or lending from Brutus's points to, in order to get the audience to better assume or understand who actually killed Caesar. So it was, it's also kind of using that type of thinking in terms of like allowing for the user to, or the reader to, to kind of come to their own conclusions just by giving them a spray or, or a, a kind of considered spray of information. Yeah. But um, yeah, so kind of spinning off from there, then doing some more books of poetry, doing bits of consulting, uh, doing short films of some of the poetry to give people different uh, forms to to consume. Because like in school here, they do this thing where it's like, are you a visual, auditory or kinesthetic learner? And even after you do the test, they don't adapt your learning to that at all. It's, it's not... So they, do a, they do a test and then, and then the results come in and it's not like, great, you, you're somebody that should be going into this sort of... Yeah, like if you're in school, you should be going more into this sort of thing or, or we want to feed you these, this sort of information to help like you grow. It's just a test you take that's then never really counted towards anything. Yeah, and I think that's also, that's partly due to the difficulty of education in, in, in terms of like, oh, uh, filling out certain or completing certain metrics for, for to, to go back to the school board and say, oh, we've done this. But in terms of like the time and effort that it would require to, to implement this, most schools won't, won't, most state schools especially won't be able to to allow for that. So I understand why it didn't affect much, but in the same way, I do want to present people different uh, forms of or consuming content so that it appeals to them in different ways. So you have the text, you have the video, you have the audio stuff, you have um, all different types of ways into exhibitions and stuff. So just spinning off from that, and then I've kind of got into doing more things. So the documentaries now, the and and just wearing other things, various other things that will I think will come out as this conversation goes on. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's so much I wanna I wanna pick up on here. I think that you know first just something that I think is really interesting from your story, Wilson, is I I feel like a lot of times with sustainability creativity, there's a there's a sort of idea that privilege goes hands in, hand in hand with these industries. Like you have to be in a position where you don't need to make money or, you know, people can't really engage with sustainability because it, it, it seems like a more expensive lifestyle or, you know, there's, there's various arguments here. And I just, I kind of think it's interesting that, that you found that your true sustainability came to you when you kind of went away from just chasing this idea of what we've been taught to chase, which is, you know, as you said, making a quick buck, you know, so it, it sort of, how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel that there's truth in that? Do you feel that everybody can find their own path? Or do you think it's just, it's really hard for some people? I think it's hard for everyone. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just how much are you willing to, to sacrifice or suffer in order to, uh, to find your goals or, or to find like a, a middle path, as so to speak, where you can add value in your work and but also also make a return from it because i this might be an unpopular opinion but i think there's there's a, a lot of uh there's 
I think there's confu general confusion in terms of what, what provides value and what can provide a return or what looks cool to, to do and, and you can hope provides a return. Because I think a lot of times when you look at um, what, what necessary solutions are needed, like there's so much things that can be worked on and so much solutions that can be developed or, or new ideas. And that's not even to say, I don't even think I'm doing enough yet. I think more, the really, there'll be some really interesting stuff that I do that comes out over the next year or so. But even now, I don't think I'm doing so much. However, it's, it's, about, it's not about replicating what's already being done. Like if you, like what are you really changing if you, if you make another Instagram profile like repeating the same information that everyone knows? Like how, how can you expect to, to make an income from that if there's no, if there's already like 10,000 people who are doing the same thing, whether intentionally trying to make a return or just even just doing it for the sake of fun. You can't, you can't think that you're gonna walk into a space and do, it's like say YouTubers, it's like, there's like, probably a few million gaming YouTubers who record, I don't know, Call of Duty or, or Halo or, or, or whatever, Minecraft or whatever game. That doesn't, but however, it's a very small percentage of them which, which make any form of livable return because even though the market's saturated, it's those people who provide the most value. So it's also about understanding that where is somewhere that isn't completely or completely saturated and where is somewhere that I can also add value and, or add an extreme amount of value. And if I can do, even if I can't do that now, what are the steps to take me there? What do I have to, to learn to do there? Because even for me right now, I'm, you could say my work is, is more of a public, uh, it's like I'm, I'm trying to give myself a, a bachelor's in, in sustainability and, and like the, in the environment and stuff like that, just based on what I'm presenting publicly, because I'm learning these things at the same time that, that I'm, I'm trying to present it to the audience. But this isn't my final stop. It's more about there's so much more to do with whether it's regards to materials or, or waste or uh, understanding the human, understanding humans better, or just burying other things and projects. It's like, there's no, like, you can't expect that you're gonna have one thing. And especially now, with the way that we've changed so much over over the course of uh, rapidly over the course of the last hundred years, it's very it's in only a handful of jobs that may not change over the next few decades. We're going to constantly have to change our roles and what's required of us as the years go on. So I think it's it's more it's hard for everyone. Is it? And and that's, I'm not just saying that it's equally the same for most people because some people have very like varying forms of privilege compared to other people and that's one thing however in order to really it will it will require some level of hard work for anyone in order to make uh whether make a living uh continuously add value and even hold relevancy in the spaces that you want to exist in it's not just that you hit a hole in one on your first golf swing and that means you can do nothing like people wouldn't be calling me or 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 asking me to, to collaborate or work on things or even take any interest in anything I'm pitching to them if I wasn't like constantly trying to do new things. Like say, for example, with Regenerative Futures, which is essentially 
it's a four-year project um, where we're trying to bridge the intergenerational gap through collaboration and conversation. So it's like, you can look at Gen Zs, uh, baby boomers, millennials, all of these different subsets or groups that don't really align with each other and aren't really having much conversations with each other. So it's like, how do we bring these things together and, and, and allow, or how do we bring these different groups together and not allow for them to work together and to, and to better understand each other so that we can address many of the varying problems we face in society. So from that, it's, it's, we've got the list, which is we're giving, it's a global call out. So we're featuring a hundred people uh, with, who are working on really interesting projects and giving them access to funding, uh, media exposure and or mentoring. And then we're doing a report on sustainability, which is, and, and Gen Z's and their outlook on sustainability in the world. And it's like, doing that brings some attention but that's not going to do it for me for the rest of my life i'm there's varying other projects which i have to work on now whether it's the how toxic are my clothes site and updating that or doing the next documentary around that whether it's like just many different things so it's never and even then i'm not i'm someone who comes from a very uh disadvantaged background i don't have uh like I, I, I grew up poor. Like I don't have anything to, uh, to fall back on. Yeah. Like there's always trying to find something. And that's not to say I live the most extreme or, or most unfortunate life. And I can't speak for there's there's people in the world who grow up or who are born into, into, into no opportunities or anything. So I can't say that everyone can do everything or or everyone will get the chance to do everything. But if you are in a there's there's many people who are given afforded the same opportunities simply by maybe even having a computer or some form to record themselves or even to engage with others so it's it's difficult in varying levels but that's not to say it's impossible yeah i'd say that yeah well and i think that's so i think that's so relevant and i feel like one of the other things that kind of got me thinking when you were talking about this idea of you know how how it takes a while how we're all at various degrees of working into sustainability and like something that i've seen come out in the last kind of six months is this idea this like you know this this cultural phenomenon of like cancel culture right it's like if you're if you're making efforts but you're not doing enough or if you're you know if you've had a misstep or something you know there's so much vitriol and so much sort of um calling people out and 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 it's sort of you know I'm reading this book which I think actually you'd really love. It's by Charles Eisenstein. It's called um, the the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. And he, I know, right? And um, uh, I'll send you I'll send you a copy. But he was he was saying that basically you know like it, he's talking about climate change in this one chapter, and he said you know climate change isn't actually the issue we're facing as humanity. It's a symptom of it. And the problem is that humanity has lost empathy and kindness and understanding of one another. And we've put all of our ideas of what success and happiness is into material goods or popularity or how many Instagram followers we have. And it's just a really misguided way of thinking we're gonna be happy and successful. And he basically said, and, and actually the way we combat that isn't by waiting for politicians or corporations to make huge change that probably is never going to come or come yeah. fast enough but to celebrate the everyday acts of kindness 
and empathy that anyone can do. And by rebuilding empathy and kindness and understanding on a day-to-day -day basis, no matter who you are, we will then start working towards fixing what is a very broken humanity at the moment. And I thought that was such a lovely way of thinking about it. Like he was like, who's to say, you know, the woman who has to quit her job to take care of her mother with Alzheimer's isn't doing as much towards climate change as somebody who's, you know, out there doing Extinction Rebellion. Like it's, it's using your power for good. And that's sort of yeah. what we all need to be doing. And I just thought that was kind of really lovely. But what do you think about this idea of like, you know, of cancel culture and how has it influenced your work or your, your social media or, or anything like that? Or do you feel like it's not such a, such a negative thing? Uh, no, I do think it's uh, because it's, um... I mean, in some, I, that's not, I mean, some people are, or some, it's difficult because I can't say, there are some things that, that live at the extreme, which shouldn't be invited or, or, or allowed for, but even then that's very, that's small and few in number, but yeah, I think cancel culture for the most part is extreme, which is why it's somewhat disappearing now in, in that even like the, the many forms of outside of like the, the me too stuff there are people who might get cancelled because oh um they they disagreed with a of an opinion or or they might not have of spoken well or something so even like but uh sorry to go back to your initial question regarding it it's i think it has a, well it's it's always that i like my social media and public presence is just all your all you will ever see as work all you'll ever see i find it very hard to i might like post interesting photos of like art and and like places i'm at in my stories but for the most part it's work because i don't i think when you open sometimes it's difficult because when you're in in the public sphere if you open yourself out too much, you, you allow for everything to be scrutinized when it's like, no one can live like that. Even you might see reality TV shows and you'll see people who are on constant, who are constantly being focused on, suffer from all types of, uh, all types of struggle. And it's not, it's, humans aren't typically not comfortable with even, uh, so much scrutiny or focus so so yeah i'd say well not so much cancel culture but just more so the uh just to avoid being questioned or or scrutinized all the time i just i just don't um i i just don't share everything it's like i i don't i don't want to if if i'm having like i don't know like a glass of wine or something it's <laughs> like i don't i don't want someone saying like oh that's terrible. You have kids who follow you. Why? Why are you not? So it's like it's it, not rather organic than wine, Wilson. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> uh, I am on the search for like for like um, really good um, organic and and like low intervention wines. But it's it's a constant. But I mean, you find some good ones. Oh sometimes. my god! Do you know low intervention wines? It's amazing. Uh, it's like an online delivery service of all low intervention wines. It's it's actually called low intervention. 
I didn't actually. I'm going to learn that now. Thank well, you. now that we're going into lockdown again, you might want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, I think that it's a really interesting and I really like that. It, it's funny because I do, we feel so much pressure, I think, now to put every element of our lives out there to share with people. And the expectation that you do that now is really, really great. And I think that you're right. It, to me, it's like, if people criticize Revon Vert for whatever reason, it, it's, it's my work and I can kind of look at it objectively. But I think when it comes to your personal habits or, or decisions or life choices, that's where it gets really, really intense and I think really stressful. So for anybody listening, I think that's just a really nice point to remember that you're not required to share every element of your life. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. It's not going to make a difference to your business if people don't know what you're having for dinner. Yeah, no, exactly. Like there's a great, uh, I think who's it by, I think by Jay-Z or something, there's a lyric that he said in a song a while ago, and it's essentially the, the same sword they knight you with, they will good knight you or essentially off you with it. So it's like, if you, if you want to fall on your sword, at least let it be for something that is, like I, I don't mind if, if like, I yeah like you said it's like I get critiqued or or have to walk through fire for the for sustainability at work um, or any of the work that I'm doing but it, imagine it's just that hey um, I, I can't even think of anything but it's like uh, you you just get you get caught out or, or troubled for I don't know uh, laughing at an inappropriate joke or or any or anything of like yeah it's just is i'd rather if i was to suffer or or go through difficult difficulties i'd want it to be for the thing that i'm i'm most focused on yeah yeah. I mean, yeah, and I think I think that's a really good point. But so circling back, I I I really wanted to talk to you about about waste because I know it's something that you are very focused on. It's something that I'm very focused on. And you know, it's funny because you were talking about how you sort of started photographing it. And it's it's interesting because I I noticed it. So I live in Hackney and I go to Hackney Downs a lot and I noticed that, you know, every morning, like before the, cause I, I'm an early riser. So before the trash guys go and I like to go for walks in the park in the morning and, you know, you just see, I mean, people haven't even bothered to put their trash in the trash bins or it's so overflowing or people have thrown litter all around the park, which is like in Hackney, like our one natural space that we all get to share. And it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to see, you know, plastic water bottles and, yeah kids toys just really thoughtlessly left behind and stuff so how do you like what was it about waste that, like really got to you because I think for me it's interesting that like when I think about waste now like Hackney Downs just comes into my mind all the time and and the sort of disregard for this one natural space that we all share and and how would you sort of tell anyone listening you know if you wanted to take some proactive steps in your life like here, here's a good place to start thinking about it. And whether that's like an inference or, you know, a more pointed way of looking at things, like what, how would you speak to that? Uh, so that's a great question. Um, first, I would say, I think the thing that I realized most about people's waste is it, it just, 
is I think it's a, a manifest of a manifestation of their their pride as well as their shame in a sense because it's like it's it's those it's, it's a representation or it shows these things that they are engaged with or were engaged with but then also it's like how can I get rid of this and put present it in a way that people aren't aren't so observant or or conspicuous is that no that's not the right word but are, are so con uh paying attention to mine so that was a really interesting thing that I started to photograph because a lot of people where they put the waste outside of their home it's so it's often so presentable and, and very considered but then it's like you go but when it's not related to you and it doesn't tie back to you then it's like oh then I'll I might throw it or not not care but in terms of what people can do to to start thinking about I think it's it's again like you're uh, the person who wrote that book it's 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 a symptom of 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 an underlying thing which is more so your relationship with yourself and the, and the wider world. So I think it's, it's more about, it's, it's questioning yourself uh, is, is the key thing where it's like every time you, you're doing something, it's like, like I said this recently on a talk where it's one thing for me, it was like, you have to ask yourself why up to five times. So it's like, it's like kids, they'll, they'll just constantly ask you why without any, intention of stopping but it's just to to bring out a better understanding so in the same way anytime you're, you're thinking of an action whether buying something doing something or even why you're disposing of it it's like why are you disposing of it why are you doing it like this uh why why that and, and so on and so forth and even when it comes to buying things as well it's like do you really need most of the things you buy and you probably don't like even me it's like i haven't bought a piece of clothing this year at all. So even like everything I've worn has just been, yeah, there's things from previous years, even like I've got some pajamas that are maybe almost 10 years old yeah. that I, I still wear and and just various other things. So I think it's, it's, it's looking at yourself inward because you can't, like again, say with the various climate issues, you can't just simply solve it by putting a plaster on, on a, on a crack in the road is, is literally, it's, it's a systemic thing. And that's how you, you have to address it at its core. And then you can outwardly affect every, or, or change everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly right. And I think asking ourselves more questions and being more considered is so important and you know going back into what's probably going to be a little bit of a difficult winter with a lot more time alone or or you know not being with our friends and stuff I think we do need more time for inspect like being introspective and and thinking about you know the sort of lives that we want to lead and and I, I love that thing about asking yourself why five times um another gem Wilson but I you know from waste I sort of want to move on to um I want to tick all these boxes of sustainability. So toxic chemicals, which is something that I know that you and I have a lot of joint interest in. I think, I think we, we were talking about this the other day, like, I don't think that most people realize that governments and businesses are not protecting us against chemicals in the way that we would assume that they would. I think that we don't think that, that things that are toxic or poisonous, bad for our health, bad for the environment, it, 
it doesn't seem logical that the entities put in place to govern us would be sort of turning a blind eye to a lot of these problems. And I think there's more regulation luckily here in Europe and the UK, but for instance, you know, where I'm from in the States, there's very, very little. Um, and there is a lot of, you know, lobbying going on to make sure that the government continues to turn a blind eye to these problems. So, so, so talk to us a little bit about your journey into toxicity. And, and again, you know, as with waste, how did, how did this, start speaking to you and becoming an issue in your in your mind that you really wanted to to explore and help tackle uh i think i would say my journey with toxicity with regards to clothing at least because i've always been interested in in food and, and various things like i was i was a vegan for or like vegan vegetarian for like eight years from from when i was around 18 and that was just like as yeah, and, and various other things, and it's constantly like, oh, uh, and just, yeah. So I've always been considered about chemicals and toxicity for a while. However, um, the re specific relation in fashion came about a year ago. So it was at the start, early last year, a brand would ask me to wear, to, to go to an event, they asked me to wear like a sample piece of theirs that had come straight from the factory. So it was like a fleece or something, and, and I won't name the brand here, but, um, when when the few times I wore it, every time it just bled onto onto my onto whatever I was wearing inside. So it was just like it, it yeah, it, it leaked onto like say a vest I was wearing or a t-shirt under, and it would have this really strong uh, kind of purple stain just all around. So I was just thinking like, how how healthy is that? Because you think of the same way in that um, if you're using sunscreen with uh with certain heavy metals in it you're you're literally because of our porousness you're literally rubbing that into your skin which can lead to all types of difficulties so i i said to myself oh i'm gonna do some research about this and do some type of project and then maybe around may april may of 2019 i decided like oh, okay i'll do a docu a short documentary around this and then i just kept putting it off for months on end i'd done all the research i needed to and then I I think I was like, I can't let myself go into the new year without doing it. So I sat down in like November, end of November for like a week or two and just kind of, yeah, made the documentary. Like, yeah, and it was just like uh, licensing videos. Um, there's a great site called, damn it, I can't remember it. It's, it's, it's one of those... Uh, it's run by Envato, so that's E-N-V-A-T-O dot com. And they have like uh, different things. So you can, uh, it's like stock images or stock videos. So I think I paid like 10, yeah, they charge you like 10 or 20 pound a month. So you can do rolling. So you can just do it once and be done with it. However, you can get access to like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of like footage or, or sound files or, or various other things. So I, because... I don't have the money to put on like a high production documentary. It was simply that, okay, uh, when I find relevant clips alongside other images and text bits of information, put it all together, do a voiceover, and then put it together in like a short 20, 30 minute video. And that would, and this was the idea, the idea is that this is more of an introduction to it because there's so much more 
about around toxicity and its effects and and what's going on and even thinking about say the governmental aspect that isn't that didn't cover so that was more of an introduction at the end of last year and now it's working to more of course it's been delayed because of various other things but it was working now it's working to other aspects so it's like updating the site with a lot more articles and doing like other short forms of video content around different things whether that's like other uh, metals like chromium or or like chemicals or even better explaining organic and, and various other things so doing more of that and and some other things so so that's kind of been my relationship specifically with toxic chemicals and and in order to because you can't just bring up a problem without some type of solution so in order as, as well as that i'm working on an exhibition that will be launching at the end of november or early december around uh i can't give away too much it's just around like the future of materials and just where we go so we've got like a few people who are contributing and it's just giving them a brief and it's like oh where do you think these we can go with regards to materials so it's around fashion but it's also around um various other things as well so like uh uh i think what else can we say yeah, so around fashion and just other things in our everyday life that are related to materials and and like will will require some some uh, consideration or like will be a necessary solution as opposed to what we are experiencing and or using right now. Yeah, and I think you know that kind of leads me on to my next question because I feel like something that I'm, I'm constantly wanting people to understand is that you know, and I think we talked about this a bit too. It's like so many people get their news now from like social media and Facebook and they're not really deep diving into this stuff. And I think when you kind of start to scratch the surface, that's when things start to get interesting. You know, it starts to get terrifying, but also interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel like when you kind of started going deeper into this, this world of toxicity and you were producing this documentary, like, like what were you like how did you feel when you started to find things was it like wow this is really shocking or was it like you know i expected to know this like or expected to find this i mean to you as somebody kind of in the space like how did it make you feel basically is kind of i think what i'm getting after uh i think a mix of both it's almost it's like you know it's deep but you never really know how how far the rabbit hole goes essentially so I think there was thinking about all of the different impacts that say uh, s most synthetics will have on your body or like the wrong types of bleaches and dyes and stuff like that. Like that was always, that never was something that I would thought about. So I never really thought about what materials I'm really wearing on my body most of the time. So really I started getting into that more and, and or once I did, it was like, oh, this is this is horrifying but it also made a lot of sense but then it's also uh what what can i say about it um yeah people need to know this so that that's where i was at. and it's like if it, because if you know better you'll do better or or at least you'll you'll have some consideration for whatever's going on in the future so for me it was like okay if i'm already changing my habits by learning about this what will other people do? And it will, because a lot of times people think like you can wake up and find a problem 
and you can just pro again going back to this idea of uh, uh, having to explain, make your understandings understood, and also making sure that because other, not everyone thinks like you, we all think in different ways to an extent. So it's like you can't just immediately stand up and protest something or assume that everyone knows something you know and and hope to make a change like. It wouldn't matter if I changed my changed myself to Parliament and was like, we have to do something about these toxic chemicals because no one would know anything about it. It wouldn't be on the, at the forefront of their mind. They wouldn't care about it. So it's more about how how can we inform others about this first, and then and then kind of take it in a progression. And it's not about shaming people for their lack of knowledge. It's more presenting it in ways that they can understand what you understand and then moving forward together in some sense because i think this is also something that comes up where uh, a lot of people are shamed for their approach to like say uh waste for the most part in plastics but i i think we've got this idea of degrowth where we think that oh if if some of us stop using plastics and and these some of these materials, we are going to, that's going, that's it. And that's going to, to save, save the world. And it's like, no, you actually, like we're so far gone into some of these difficulties and pollution and waste that it's more about finding your, your be better place to, to push people towards finding solutions and like building better alternatives as well. So that's, that's kind of where, so not, um, yeah, it was, it was shocking. And I did find a lot of difficulty in it, but I think I'm I'm grateful that I've learned a lot of more about toxicity and all these chemicals and stuff, and what more I have to learn and can potentially do. I mean, and I think it's like this makes me wonder, Wilson. Like, how do we how do we encourage people to educate themselves? Because it's really interesting. Like when I'm looking at Instagram, for instance, and I see so many comments you can really tell when there is a naive comment and somebody is, you know, asking a question or not normally asking a question, making a statement that, that comes from a lack of their own understanding or their own nativity or their own, you know, ignorance or insecurity. Like it's very obvious. And, and I don't, you know, all I think that we want to do is, is spread love and kindness and understanding, but it can be very frustrating when you think, you know, well, it'd be really helpful if you had before writing this or making a comment like this, if you'd actually gone away and done some research on this issue that really would maybe help you understand, you know, just because I think an educated argument is always a good argument. You know, it's like, even when I'm listening to someone I disagree with, if they are making valid points, I can understand where they're coming from. And, and actually I think this is the whole, because this is what I'm seeing in America right now. It's just, nobody understands one another anymore because nobody's taking the time to listen to what the other side has to say because everybody's just so in their own mindset. And, and I'm watching sort of the unfolding of our election stuff very much play out that way. And, and it's worrying because either way, whatever happens in America, the country is very, it's so divided. You know, and, and after the election, it will only become more divided. And yeah, I regardless of what way it goes. Exactly. It's, it's, it's horrible. So how do, you, how do you encourage people to educate themselves and to listen and to think with sort of love and empathy 
versus that like sort of quick fire reaction that I think we all have when confronted with somebody that disagrees with us or doesn't see things the way that we do, you know? Um, this is gonna sound weird, but uh, I'd say you can do that by being, by doing or being the best you you can be. So I, I'm, I'm sure it's like everyone, once you first step into the space, it's like, oh, how can I get more people to know about this? Or, or like, I've just understood this thing. Someone has to, and, and it's like, it'd be with like your personal friends or, or, or family or, or people you might even work with in, in other jobs and stuff. And it's like, you're trying to like, say when I first became a vegan or, or vegetarian, um, like I was working at a bank and it was like, people laughed, laughed at it. And it was like, what? Were you were you gonna eat for lunch salad? Like, and so and it's like that's absolutely fine to eat, but um, there was more impact and change by me just becoming a bigger beacon or vessel for this argument because a lot of times, and it's something that I'm seeing right now. At, well, I won't I won't get into that, but it's a lot of times people's lives are. Well, we're all contradictory in some ways, but it's like people are disjointed and, and they're, they're running in two separate directions at the same time. So you've got, say, for example, uh, you've got a class of, of people in fashion who they might post about the about social issues on their page or, or, or rather the environment and all of these different things. And they'll call out people. They'll, they'll shame people and they'll be like, oh, you're terrible for this. Meanwhile, they're com the, the mainstay of their life is just like massively profiting from uh, disadvantaged people. And even if they're not the immediate person who oversees, say, the factories and stuff, they might be someone in the line of promotional marketing, which massive, massively benefits from these disadvantaged workers and is doing nothing to address these own direct problems or even changing their um, changing their, their lifestyle habits to do so. So I think a lot of people will, just because of the way that humans have developed, they will naturally look at other people or, or they not look at other, or unless someone is living what they speak about, people will, will be, uh, more inclined to, to just argue and, and put down. So that's one way I think, or that's more so with regards to people that you know personally, like people become more uh, engaged or, or respondent to what you're doing when it's, when it's like they see you doing it and living it and, and trying to be the best that you can be at it. And then and on the other side, I think you, it's just uh, the, situ the arguments you can ignore, just ignore them for the most part because you'll just end up having pointless conversations that hold no benefit or they do hold benefit but it's like can you have this same argument a hundred like two times a day for the rest of the year and it's like there's so much time you lose on that so in some like even with me it's like uh the various things that i'm doing there's a lot of time where people just didn't understand it's like oh why what's this about or what's this and it's like no one's, most people really won't understand immediately it's in the way that so we can say there's three different timelines that are in, in existence there's what is actually happening right now there's maybe and 
while in your head you're probably six to 12 months in the future with regards to what's coming next and what you're preparing for and then most people are like six to 12 months in the past if not in terms of how they view you so they're not viewing you based on your current actions they're viewing you based on the last thing that might have sat with them or whatever or like their expectations based on, on your what you've grown or what they've seen you grow up as so so there's there's going to be some part where it's like you won't win everyone with an argument you literally just have to change their like force habits to be changed by being something un something that can't be denied essentially yeah well again i i really really love that and i think it's it's so powerful this idea of Live, you know, and it's interesting, like, I, I remember very clearly, and I think it, it, come, it becomes easier as you get older, too, and I think I want to say this to the young people listening, it's like, it becomes easier, I think, to understand yourself, live your best life, like, know that you are doing the right thing as you get older and you just I think kind of naturally stop to look to others as much because that's part of growing up so you know don't worry about it too much but it's the thing that you know people always ask you like what would you tell your 18 year old self or something and I always say like stop like stop looking at other people's shit stop comparing yourself to others stop like this interest in other people's lives and just and look at like what you're doing like I wish that I'd started Rev I mean I started Rev when I was 25 so I'm, I'm proud of that but like you know there was there was a good like five years probably from 20 to 25 where I could have been doing a lot more with myself or my energy my young energy um Same. you know you know like because you were just caught up in like whatever um so it's not to say that that's bad or not part of growing up but it's just something that it's the advice I would give to young people is is try to take advantage of that young energy you've got and siphon it into something that will genuinely make you feel good about yourself. Um, yeah, before you move forward, I just want to add on to that as well. It's like, I think one of the biggest uh, revelations for me was growing up and realizing that, oh, the, no one is right all the time, like at all. So even say today, I could be right I've, I've given like a lot of thoughts and opinions and, and, and stuff and it's like I could be right in most of them half of them less than half of them whatever but it's like it's just having the confidence or trust or like just the willingness to to go out and and like go again go out with this sword and be willing to die on this sword because this is what you believe in and this is what you believe in is important and I want to go back to an earlier point that I made so even when I said, oh, um, some, you might be doing like something that 10,000 people are doing, that's okay as well, but it's also where do you take it next? Yeah. So it's like, see, like there's, I don't know, millions of types, hundreds of thousands of types of seeds. Uh, it's like, and they might start in the same place in the same soil, but where they go is completely different. So it's, it's also, you, you have to think about where you're, where you're leading or where you're moving towards and, and trusting in that and not getting pulled again, like you said, pulled aside by like other people's thoughts or whatever. And of course, it's good to have insight and think about your actions, but yeah, just trust in yourself. Exactly. And I think also now judging upon something else is just like, you said like, we're not always right. And I really like, I was listening to an interview um, with Ryland Englehart, who, who's just done that kiss the ground movie. And started this kiss the ground movement around regenerative agriculture and 
and I, I, yeah, and I'm really fascinated by this. And I, I watched the film and I really, really liked it. And I really liked it because I listened to Ryland and he has been a diehard vegan for years. He owns a vegan restaurant in LA and, and he was talking about this and, and his stance on veganism and how, when he started looking into regenerative agriculture and realizing that the use of animals when done properly and integrated into a biosystem or an ecosystem where they naturally exist and naturally fertilize things and are naturally part of the life cycle of organisms and stuff. Like he was like, I was wrong about my ideas with veganism. He's like, it's not stopped me from being a vegan, but my sort of really like strong, you know, no animals will be involved in any part of anything yeah. was a misconception. And I, I really love that he came out and said that, you know, and he's like, and I've gotten a lot of flack, like people have come and, you know, they've, they've picketed at Cafe Gratitude, his vegan restaurant being like, you know, you've got- Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. And I, was, and I was like, I couldn't imagine people picketing at Cafe Gratitude, you know, you're like, it's the happiest place ever. But he was like, I, I really, not. yeah, he's like, I really pissed people off by doing this, this movement of saying, you know, and that we can involve animals and that's not a bad thing. And um, the ability to publicly say, I'm kind of changing my mission here. I'm not going back on who I am or what I stand for, but like I've gotten some new information and I'm making some new thoughts. Like that that's part of it. And we can't, that's I guess why I'd wanted to talk about cancel culture at the beginning. It's like, it's not our job to then throw Ryland under the bus for not having always had this stance or evolving as a human yeah. being, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, so so anyway, so kind of to, to wrap things up, I think um, I could really talk to you all day, Wilson, and, and maybe you'll have to come back on to talk about regenerative futures and everything else you're doing this year. But yeah. what I'd love to, to kind of end on is, I know right now we are seeing the creative industry really suffer, not probably getting the fiscal support that they need. Um, you know, just this sort of idea that, you know, I'm sure everybody's now seen the sort of, you know, the ballerina advert of, you know, Fatima could actually be like, uh, a, you yeah. know, like a coder or something, you know, this beautiful little ballerina and you're like, oh, yeah. um, so how would you say, because I think a lot of people probably feel a bit disheartened now and, and maybe are fearful for their futures and, and to end on a message of hope, what would you say that the role of the creative is evolving to be or or how would you give advice on how you can kind of navigate this time to maybe think about things differently? Um, and I appreciate that's a hard question, but I figured- No, it it's, some, it's something I've been thinking about, but thank you. Um, I'd say if you want to it's not an it's not an easy life by any means, and it won't get easier. I think the uh, I've it's like this point that people talk about entropy, or it's like like nature or the universe will naturally get more messier or more chaotic, and and at the core of it is and there's going to be a lot of things that are will challenge you and frighten you. However, you have to learn how to live in fear, or, or not. Sorry, that's that's terrible. No, not to live in fear, but you have to like normalize that there's things that you don't know and more things you'll find out that you don't know like known unknowns and unknown unknowns but these things will constantly challenge you and you'll have to get in order to su succeed or thrive as a creative or or anyone in in whether you're in sustainability or any of these things is like 
you're going to have to live in the eye of the storm and be at the the like be the most susceptible to change like i've told people know various things i'm doing now apart from regenerative futures and even then that's that's a it's a four-year project but it's rolling so we are determining how things go based on what we learn and what type of response we get so what what does the first cohort of people on the list look like what what type of response do we get to, to report there's if you like i don't know what i'm doing in a year's time i hope i hope i do i hope i hope i do but i don't and there's no i could end up doing more work around sustainability and find some solutions or some product or projects that i can work on and, and that make a change but then at the same time that that could all go go to yeah go go awry or go bad and it's like i i then it's like oh i might end up working in in sustainability and like government or like at a, at a company or, or various other things that's I, I don't know it's like where's where does my value go next but it's understanding that at no point is this the end of, as long as you're still here and still able to to do anything there's no point is this the end of the journey but you have to really normalize that you will have to constantly rapidly adjust to change and that's and that's the core thing of it is is i think it's as opposed there's not a specific thing it's more about how you look at the framework or, or it's like you're what framework you operate under so it's like i'm yeah i'm naturally i don't know i can say oh i don't know where uh and and some things will just sound unreasonable because and like say even i don't know exactly where of course i i I've maybe get paid to do like the bits of consulting or, or or various other things but it's like i don't i can't say i know where exactly my next paycheck is coming from and even though that's a risky way to live and not everyone can live like that it's understanding what can you do within your means and and how do you operate like that if if time's fallen hard i would immediately find something else to do too as but anyway i'm kind of diverting from the point but i'd, I'd say the key thing is just like uh if you want to be a creative and you really want to thrive you're going to have to know that there's no there's no there's no long-term job security anymore there's no uh this isn't like the baby boomer generation where you can get a job at like uh general electric in the US and, and be fine for the next 50 years. You can't work at, like get a job at IBM and be fine for the next 50 years without having to update, adapt, change, or, or learn more things. So yeah, um, the future's ugly, but it's beautiful. And, and it's just, we got, to, we got to learn to love it. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd say that is like a parting message. That, well, I think that is a really great parting message. I, I think that the future, will be beautiful. I think it's going to take a lot of work. And I think that speaking to people like you makes me feel really hopeful because you, there's something about having an inner strength and an inner conviction that, you know, it's really funny. It's, you know, it's been a bumpy ride with Revolver. I think anybody that starts a company knows that, but, Absolutely. I, but I think the one thing that keeps me going and, and it's my final question, actually, final, final is I always knew that Revon Ver was, I was doing something with purpose, you know, like, so even on the darkest days, the hardest moments, I believed that what I was doing was 
bringing betterment into the world and helping people like learn to be more conscious and and that kept me going and and would you say that would you say that living life with purpose is something that we all need to be considering more yes uh, i would definitely say we need to live because what's going to if you because again it's like we we can live at extremes or it's like no one's no one's free of suffering from bouts of depressions or, or or episodes or whatever it's like at any given point even if you're like taking your supplements you're eating well which will reduce the capabilities of or the risk that you face with regards to uh maybe your emotional or neurological response to certain events and stuff there's still some extreme events or or even just kind of existing moments of existing that will be really tough to deal with and sit through however the you can counter against this with purpose it's like what what pulls you out out of bed at the moment what are you looking at in 30 50 100 years that is like really holding you holding you down essentially and 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 like keeping you pushing forward so yeah for me i'd say yeah i'd say it's having like at the core of it is having like a long-term goal something that you might want to see realized or possible in like the next 40 50 plus years then it's like the medium terms in term, and then it's like the shorter term ones so it could be like even next year and stuff and it's like living like and i'm and this isn't like maybe for some people it might be monetary but for me it's more so understandings or 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 um somewhat mental and just very varying things but yeah just having some type of purpose or long-term thing that you're you're striving for looking to prove like there's one thing that i'm really i really want to prove in the next i can't prove it now but i'll prove it in a few decades hopefully but i and it's like that's one thing that really is just kind of pushing me like i think there's but it's, it's like having varying you if you imagine yourself in a film or not in a film because but i mean everyone's like the main character of their story but we all come together to make uh to to make like a unifying story but in in our day-to-day lives you can have different storylines or narratives running so it's like i i don't know it's like oh a storyline might be trying to find a low like a really good low intervention line or like oh what's what's the the best way to um to to prepare a salad or various other things oh it's like it's like yeah so it's like having those little storylines that can keep you interested for like a short amount of time so and it's always because sometimes if things are too far out it's like it's very difficult so like for me it's like it's it's a short it's like a short term one is like how do we get more people to understand uh, the impacts of chemicals in our clothes and stuff or various other things. So it's, it's I think it's, it's having these little interesting games that are running subconsciously that might pop up. It's like, yeah. So I think that's interesting. Or, or the, yeah, living with purpose is super important. Well, okay. Well, I think that that is, that is a great place to end this conversation and I can't thank you enough. And um, I will put links below to everything that you're working on. And we, well, you've got to keep us posted on all these exciting developments you've got coming up through the year so we can we can chat more about it
yeah absolutely it's been such a pleasure to to come in and have like uh to just speak at length like this so I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity and yeah hopefully there's a next time for sure exactly all right cool well take care Wilson I'll speak to you soon thanks speak to you soon bye, bye.